time to put your pencils down because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, diligent scholars, to another edition of the Star Seminar, the team talk course in Cowboys footballology, taught by myself, Dr. Rabble Rouser, and of course, my co-teacher, as always, Dr. Danny Phantom, the man who puts endowed in endowed chair. How are you today, sir? I am fantastic. It is April. It is draft month. I'm ready for the April madness. And you know, I'm, we're done with the March madness. And I was going to ask you, I don't know, Rabs, did, did you... Do you happen to check out that women's, you know, championship game? I don't typically watch college sports, and I never, I don't, can't even remember really last time I watched a women's college basketball game. But I did watch this one; super exciting. Of course, you know things kind of got got away at the end, but uh, I was really excited. I was, but I wanted to ask you because um, I can't remember being this excited for like a women's sporting event. Do you, is there any type of women's sporting event that you particularly enjoy watching? Um, so first thing I want to say is, is yes, I think, you know, it's funny because I was watching this and I was thinking back to the, the NCAA men's tournament in 1979, when you had magic against bird, Mm. two different styles, um, two great players who were on the cusp of transforming the game. And I just, I couldn't help but think this is, this is like this, the women's game is, is where the men's game was then where you have two transcendent players going toe to toe, obviously like. Magic Johnson's Michigan State team ended up, you know, running away with it and, and won comfortably. But those two went head to head and were um, the face of the sport for, you know, for a, a, over a decade. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help but think that the same thing is going to happen with with these two. I mean, they were so, such great players and great competitors. Um, I will say that for the most part, the women's sports I watch tend to fall under the umbrella of the Olympics. I, you know, I love mm, the Olympics. Yeah. I, I love, I love all, you know, watching all the sports. I actually, I don't even care about watching the American athletes that much. I just like watching all, all the athletes from all the different, you know, all the different countries. It's so cool to see someone from like, you know, there's like a, a snowboarder from like, you know, Liechtenstein or something <laughs> who like, you know, it's been, it's been, you know, this is their this is their dream. It's it's incredible, right, yeah. and just it's just really cool to watch. So I I think for the most part, um, when I take time out of my busy schedule to watch sports, it's going to either be like one of my favorite, um, you know, teams from the three American sports that I follow. I just don't follow hockey. I don't have time. Yeah. Um, or it's going to be like the Olympics. My my wife uh, was actually a competitive ice skater when she was really young. And so she loves, she loves Olympic ice skating. So we, we always watch that. And, um, and I just, you know, I, I, I love the Olympics because that, that sort of amateur feel that it, it still sort of lingers a little bit. I just think it's really cool. So that, I, I think that's, that's probably my answer. Yeah. You know, it was weird. And this, there was a time where I was like really into watching women's tennis. And it, mm-hmm. it was back when like Monica Sellis yes. and Jennifer Copriati. I don't know if you remember those, those names, but um, no, it was, it was really fun. I don't know. It, it could be too. It, it, it's easier to follow because like the men's, they, they hit the ball super hard, you know, and actually now they, they both, they both do now. But I mean, back then it was just like, you get like, you know, two or three back and forth. That's it. But I mean, you got some really good volleys with the women's tennis, but I really got into Monica Salas and 
Capriati and uh, there's like Gabriella Sabatini. It was back when Steffi Graf, I think. It just there was a nice group of you know women's tennis players that were really fun to watch. So to me, you know, that's that's the that's the um, thing that sticks out. Uh, but it definitely was pretty exciting. I, I will say that. But you know what? Enough about the women's sports. We got some men's sports to talk about. Uh, what's going on on today's show, Rabs? Well, we're going to have a special like pre-draft extravaganza here. We'll, we'll have a, we'll have another one like immediately before the draft, but we want to kind of get our global overview. And so we've invited the great Kyle Humans from the Mothership nice. uh, into into uh, into our seminar room to assess the Cowboys offseason, to discuss their thirty visit list, and um, and we hope to dive into some players at positions the Cowboys are likely to draft later in the month. So I th- I'm really looking forward to this. Kyle's great, and. Um, you know, he's, he's been captaining the draft show for a long time. So he's way ahead of us in this. And so hopefully he can give us some really great insight before he does though. I, I kind of wanted to ask you something. Um, it's a little bit, a little bit aside from what we've been talking about, but uh, I'd like to conduct a short exercise and ask you to rank the last five Cowboy seasons in terms of team quality, not in terms of one loss. It's pretty clear. Like, you know, in terms of one mm. loss, but where would you rank the last five seasons? So let's see, we're talking about, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Okay. In terms of how good was that team? Okay. Not how, not, not their record or how far they went in the playoffs, but All how right. good was that or, team? E- or even how I felt during the season. Just basically, if I were to just stand back and I didn't know their win-loss record and I just looked at the team and I said, okay, how good do I think this team is? Yes. And I, and I, think, I think we can agree – so we can probably eliminate this as, as a topic. I think we can agree the 2020 team is probably the bottom of that list. Yes, we can definitely agree on that. All right, so let, so we got four four years left. How would you rank them? Let's 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 go let's go uh, from bottom to top. Okay, so we were going to go bo- bottom to top. So the second worst to the 2020 season, which by the way I think that we were straight up garbage um, because that was a very difficult season. Yeah. One, I mean, one, one of the, one of the worst seasons in Cowboys history. It was, it's actually one of the 10 worst seasons in Cowboys history. Frankly, It, it was. And then people will always, you know, talk about the whole, um, you know, Dak going down and stuff, but you know, I don't even buy that, that the defense was so bad. They were, were they were so terrible. I mean, the only saving grace really in that season is that we saw improvement in special teams because Cowboys special teams were, were actually really bad. Uh, in the final years of Garrett, so um, that's the only thing I could that would take good out of that season. Uh, but out the next worst one for me is going to be the 2018 season, and it's I almost have to have an asterisk because you know it was two parts because you had the Amari trade and then you had the pre-Amari trade. So, but mm-hmm. when you take them together, um, I mean the offense was really not good in the first part of that season. Um, defense was solid. Defense had a good year, uh, but offense was really bad uh, during uh, the first part. And then, of course, things really improved with Cooper. Um, so that's to me. That's my um, my next worst. Do you want me to keep going, or do you want to? Add? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's keep, let's keep okay. going. Yeah. Um, then after that, actually, would be this last season. This the season mm-hmm. we just we just we. This is probably where we maybe differ. I would imagine. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but I. Uh, I think that for the most part, all three units were pretty good. But again, you just saw like some inconsistencies with the offense. Uh, I really expected this team to, to be better. Um, when once, once I saw how good the defense was, I, I think they should have uh, done better. So, but the offense brings them down. So that's why 
they get the number three. So really my surprise pick in this whole thing is going to be the 2019 season because, and that's the season that got Garrett fired. And, and like you said, we're not going by record because we're eight and eight there. So that should not mm-hmm. be second on my list if we're going by record. But this was a good team. This was a, this was a good team. The, the D, this is the defense actually was solid, you know, and that's not something that the, we, the Cowboys have had a lot during the Garrett era. era. Um, they were saw offense was really good. Um, of course, this was um, Kellen Moore's first year as coordinator, but very mm-hmm. good offense. Um, uh, unfortunately, the special teams they that really hurt them. They were really terrible that year. Uh, so overall, the team wasn't that great. But I I would still they would make the number two spot, which means that leaves the number one spot for me is going to be the season before last the 2021 season um, because all three units were fantastic. I mean, really, they were really good. It's It was the breaking out party of the defense, a, to, to, such a 180 from the, you know, mm-hmm. Mike Nolan era to the Dan Quinn era, just fantastic. They were good. People thought that was all, all about the turnovers, but, you know, a little bit of uh, influence there. But as we saw this past season that they were, they were a good defense. Um, so the 2021 earns me, earns my number one spot. So how how much different are we here? I don't think we're actually that much different at all. And and it's really interesting that you that you um rank them that way because uh I think I would for the most part agree with you for all the reasons that you articulated. So um the reason I brought this up was because I was looking at um one of my favorite sites, Pro Football Reference at the team's uh, franchise encyclopedia and they have several metrics there that I find really useful around draft time and that's one of the reasons why I was there. And um, I know you, I know you do too. I saw you tweet something recent recently about average uh, approximate value yeah. for the various players the Cowboys have drafted. So I know that you also are an aficionado of pro football reference. So one of the, one of the metrics they have is something called the simple rating system. And, and, and what they basically are trying to trying to gauge there is the team quality rev, relative, excuse me, to the average is measured by um, the margin of victory, the strength of schedule, their offensive rating and their defensive rating, et cetera. And so, um, I, there's no question that like the, I, actually for them of all the Cowboys seasons, the 2020 season is the 10th worst season of all time. They mm-hmm. were actually, it was like the 10th worst team according to this SRS rating. But I think that the, the, the fascinating thing about that is I think a lot of people might say the 2018 season was a really great season. They made the playoffs. They actually, they actually won a playoff game against the Seahawks. Um, and, and in fact, uh, this particular metric doesn't like the 2018 team much at all. Oh, nice. they, they have them, they have them right there with like the 2012 team, the two, that 1984 team, both of whom were like around 500. Um, they don't actually think that they were particularly, particularly strong, uh, particularly strong unit. Um, and, uh, and, and they're, they roughly, they see them. I mean, they were, they were a, a 10, 16, but they see them roughly as, as essentially as a, a team that was a, essentially an 800 or excuse me a, a eight and eight 500 type of team mm. um and i i think the thing that you pointed out was something that i really wanted to to talk about after doing this exercise which is how good the 2019 team was and in in a way why it got garrett fired that team performed incredibly well and in fact i think they performed better than the 2022 team in a lot of metrics the 2022 team is slightly ahead of them slightly ahead of them but they're very very close and um and uh, I think that, you know, I really look at the last five years of, of Cowboys football, and, and I think of the 2019 team is a sort of blinking light in terms of missed opportunity. That team was so good. Obviously, they started 3-0. and 
Kellen Moore was a revelation. They were just blowing teams out. And then they had a couple of weird, weird losses to the Jets. And, you know, and, and then the end of the season was just a weird thing where they lost to a bunch of inferior teams. Yeah. And, then, and then it came out that there was a bunch of dissension between the, the coaching uh, in the coaching ranks and between the coaches and players. And, you know, like their, their linebackers coach at the time had to be sort of like, you know, ushered away from the sideline for a bit. It was, there was a, I think there's a lot of tension. And, and Garrett ultimately, I think, just lost control of the team. And that's why he got fired because yeah. that team was really, really good. And the other thing I, I think that you that you mentioned that I would 100% agree with is so many people, and this is again why I wanted to do this exercise. So many people in the middle of the 22 season were like, "This team's different. This isn't like the 21 team where they lost to the 49ers. This is a different team. Mm-hmm. This is a much better team." And I kept thinking, "Is it really? I'm not, I'm not seeing it." And according to this one metric, and again, it's just it's just one metric. The 2022 team was significantly better. I'm sure the 2021 team was significantly yeah. better than the 2022 team. And I really believe that they were as well. I, in fact, that, that according to this metric, the 2021 team was one of the the better teams not to have you know sort of more success in terms of the you know the. Um, yeah. Off season, yeah. Off, et cetera. I, so I, I think, you know, as per usual, my friend, we are strongly in alignment. Well, I'm glad that I line up with the numbers because I'm a numbers guy. Um, I'm pretty close to whatever the simple, what do you call it? Simple. It's uh, called the simple rating system. Simple ra- rating system. So, I mean, that, that's, that's, it, it makes sense to me. One thing I did think, I, I think it's important from this exercise is when we look at from 2019 to 2020, is one of the reasons though I am so sour on Mike McCarthy too, is because he inherited a good football team. He did. Mm-hmm. It was a, we were a good football team, and it just completely wet the bed that season. I mean, granted, we were pro- we weren't going to win the Super Bowl with everything that happened, but it did not have to be that bad. It made it did not make the most of what happened there. There was some just some bad stuff going on. So the the transition from nineteen to twenty by just team quality, so to speak, was so drastic to me, which is like, oh, this is. This is what people wanted. No more Garrett. And this is what we're getting. And so it just, that to me, it just really stands out. Um, so, but no, it's interesting to see how, uh, you know, how we, if we were to take the record out of it, how we view these teams. So let, let me share one last thing with you. And then I think we need, probably need to move on. The 2021 season, again, according to this metric, is sort of is sort of wedged firmly between four other seasons that I want to share with you. The 1992 season when they won their first Super Bowl mm-hmm. under Jimmy Johnson, the 1971 season when they won their first Super Bowl of all time, yeah. beating, the, beating the Dolphins, and they finally got the uh, they got you know the, off the Schneid. The 1995 season, the very end of that great 90s team, and of course the 1993 season. So, so in terms of this particular metric, it, this that team was second only after '92. Um, there are other teams. There are other teams uh, in, in the Cowboys' history that, uh, you know, according to this metric, are were better teams, and a lot of those were in the '60s and '70s, uh, including the 1978 team that lost to the Steelers, 31 uh, to 35. Ooh, no. But, um, but this was the seventh best team of uh, the 2021 team was the seventh best team in Cowboys' history according to this particular metric. Yeah, so, that, that... Uh, we're, we're talking about we're talking about missed opportunities. 21 and 19. I think we're really stand out there as blinking lights in terms of teams that ultimately underachieved. Yeah. I don't know, Rabs. I think you're kind of bringing me down with this missed opportunities, but you know what? We got to get better. And the way we to do that is through the NFL draft. So um, what's going to, you know, who's going to help us figure this out? 
I, I think the best way to, to uh, brighten your mood is to get Kyle in here and have him pontificate about the Cowboys 2023 draft hall. All right, let's do that. Okay, scholars, gather round. It is my succinct pleasure to welcome Professor Kyle Humans into the seminar room. Not only is Dr. Humans a play-by-play announcer of the First Order, calling games not only for our beloved Cowboys, but also for his beloved University of North Texas Mean Green, among others, but also over at DallasCowboys.com, he does it all. One could say he's a master of all trades and a jack of none. He writes, <laughs> he does pregame, postgame shows, he does original content, and of course, he is the deluxe host on favorites such as Talking Cowboys. But for our purposes, it is his work hosting and lending his player analysis on the draft show that we're most excited about. So sharpen your pencils and strap yourselves in, students, and prepare to have your minds expanded. Kyle, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, every time I feel like I come on the show, the intros get a little <laughs> bit better. Just, they've always been great. They've always been fantastic. But it's it's just that little ounce better. You always talk about getting 1% better every day. I feel like you you extend upon that every time I come on. So uh, glad to glad to hop back on with you guys. You know, Coach Garrett would be proud of us. It's a process. <laughs> so listen, before we dive into the draft, I'd love to hear your impressions of the Cowboys offseason thus far. So, you know, where do you stand? How do you think they've done? Uh, I think it's a breath of fresh air to a certain extent because in the past, and, and we've talked about this, I mean, Cowboys fans watching this program is, uh, I mean, they're going to probably be saying the same exact thing, but you could script up the Cowboys offseason over the last five or six years. You could say, the first week of free agency is going to be relatively uneventful. Then they will start really starting to sign guys and make some additions and even maybe bring back some guys in the second week of free agency. And then they'll they'll kind of cover their bases and then go into the draft, and that's where they'll really go for their needs. And they've done a great job of drafting in the past, which is what I think really gets Cowboys fans excited is that they've done such a good job of nailing these prospects throughout the last couple of years that that they feel like that's a legitimate opportunity for this team to see an uptick. But I feel like they've done that already to a certain extent. I mean, going and grabbing two starting caliber players, uh, returning multiple starting caliber players uh, that you had on your roster last year, and and even in the ones that you traded for, you gave up relatively little to nothing in return. So having Stephon Gilmore in the secondary, that's a huge fit a great fit for the Cowboys because he's not expected to be a quarterback cornerback one. He's expected to come in and be the second best corner on your roster. Uh, then he brings the veteran mentality and the same thing on the other side with Brandon cooks wide receiver too. And he allows Michael Gallup, who was probably an under under achieving wide receiver two in 2022 to be a solidified, if not above average wide receiver three. So I think the moves that they've made so far have not only covered their bases, but they've made this team better. And we haven't even gotten to draft time yet. We still have another three weeks until the draft is here. So it is, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. And I think they've done a good job of of bolstering this roster enough to where it gives you options. It gives you versatility. And also not to mention you brought back Dan Quinn, speaking of versatility. I mean, that's probably the best retainment you've had in the off season this year, just like it was probably the best one you had last year as well. You know, so one of the things that, that Cowboy fans and Cowboys nation has been talking about was like last year was the worst off season in Cowboys history. And this year is a great off season. And 
you know, and when I look at who they brought in and the amount of money they spent, it doesn't really look all that much different. And I think one of the Joneses might have even mentioned during the owners meetings that, that, you know, some of the things like the Cooks trade and the Gilman trade uh, are things, or Gilmore trade, excuse me, are things that they've been trying to do in the past, but maybe they didn't always, they weren't always successful. So I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, are we overreacting to a feeling and philosophically, did they actually change something philosophically or is it just that they followed their, followed their blueprint and just had a little more success? No, I think you, that that's a great question because I don't think they have changed it philosophy, their philosophy of how to attack the offseason. I just think they've had more success, like you said, and like they've even admitted to. They've tried to do some of this in the past. We've known about some of those those mm-hmm. conversations, yeah. those trade talks that have come through and not actually worked out and not actually come to fruition, uh, but then they're put it behind the eight ball. So now they've they've kind of covered their bases. They've gotten better. But I, I also agree with you in the fact that, I mean, we shouldn't be hanging a banner yet. I mean, there's a lot to do on this roster from from the get-go, of course. But also, I mean, you're bringing in a cornerback, too, and a wide receiver, too. Yes, it makes your team better. And I think after last year, te- this team showed that they're not far off. And, and even the year before, they're not that far off. And the fact that they had a better year this year than they did last year shows that a good offseason can put you in the right mindset. But – I think what it does show is it shows a commitment to to winning now. I think it shows a commitment to at least building around what they know to be successful, this defense. Build around this defense. I mean, they're so good. They have so much talent on that side of the ball. Go ahead and continue to bolster that around a guy like Dan Quinn that you can believe in. Uh, Bolster it to where Will McClay, who's done a great job at at scouting and and really – putting the best players uh, foot forward before the draft and give him an opportunity to really go and, and go to work and, and really go and get the best player available when April 27th rolls around. Uh, but then on the offense, offensive side of the ball, where there have there has been success in the past, how can you take it to the next level? And I feel like there's a couple different moves that they've made where you can say, okay, they're committed to making that offense better and trying to take it to the next level. So, yeah. Is it an overreaction as a, as Cowboys Nation? Absolutely, but that's what Cowboys Nation does. We're passionate for a reason. Cowboys fans are are on top of things for a reason. So, is it an overreaction? Yes, but has it been an overreaction in the in the past? Probably so. Yeah, I think that's what makes this particular offseason so different. Is the sense of I mean, like you you talked about already. I mean, a we're already a good football team, and b they have an offseason that's seems like a little bit more of an upgrade of the moves that they're typically make, you know, with being able to land some of these trades. So we're already yeah. at this point and now we're going to get to the good part. And this is the part where the Cowboys are successful. So as a move on here, you know, this is the first week of April uh, we're seeing the last mm-hmm. day of the pro day workouts. Um, it's also the time where we start hearing about the Cowboys 30 visits. Uh, and that is super important because the Cowboys historically love to draft from their 30 day visit list. Um, you can set your watch to it. So my first question to you, Kyle, is uh, what are your thoughts about the guys on their list and what does it tell you about the team's potential draft strategy? Yeah, you know, it's interesting and it's funny because you, you said you could set your watch to it, but last year Tyler Smith was not a 30-visit guy. Oh, and sometimes, even sometimes, that watch is wrong. But traditionally, you're you're correct. They really do like to get to know these guys. And, and Tyler Smith was a formal at the Combine last year too. So it's not like they did not have contact with Tyler Smith, but 
some of the guys that have been reported so far, I mean, you've seen a bunch of wide receivers. You've seen a couple tight ends. Uh, you've seen offensive linemen, Steve Avila from TCU. That's somebody that uh, the Cowboys have been interested in for a little bit. Even a couple defensive backs. I mean, you, you've seen some of these guys be reported. The one thing that I, I mean, if you're looking at breadcrumbs, right, and that's really what we're, we're a lot of the times we're given when it comes to the NFL draft, we're given the breadcrumbs, we're given the tape, and we're able to kind of put together our own opinion. But as as far as the Cowboys' opinion goes, a lot of times we don't know what they're thinking. But with the the way that they've brought in the, these guys for these 30 visits, I see a lot of players that are too – they're not rich enough for 26, but they're too rich for 58. So that that means that they slot in around the 30s and the 40s of that second round. So does that tell me, just based off of the breadcrumbs and looking at some of these guys that they've brought in, Great, a great uh, example of this is somebody who posted that he was on the star on his, uh, his Instagram story, and that's Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee. Is, is this team thinking about trading out of the first round if the picks in front of them, some of these prospects that they really do like, don't fall to 26 and instead are they going to pull the parachute get to the second early part of the second round stockpile some guys uh some draft picks in in the third round fourth round or however you can even end up and maybe try and, and add more bodies as opposed to more higher rated prospects that's kind of what i've seen with these 30 visit guys they're bringing in high character guys they're bringing in guys with great athletic traits uh, they're bringing in speed, which I think team speed on the offensive side of the football uh, probably needs an uptick. And the, the defensive side has seen it as well these last couple of years. So those are the types of traits I think they're looking for. But if we're trying to piece together what this this Cowboys draft strategy puzzle looks like, I think that's one way uh, you can you can kind of look at it is do they feel like trading out of the first round is their best move as a franchise? I, I'll tell you what, every time I uh... – I do a mock draft and I trade back. I like the results a lot better than when I stick at 26. And I think that I think what really, type of really return do you get? What type of return are you getting on those mock drafts? I guess it depends on how far I go back, but sure. uh, you know, I mean, usually like a fourth, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to go back to 42, you know? Um, so I, I'll usually try to go back into uh, either late in round one or, um, you know, in the, in the, the, the low to mid thirties. And I usually hey. get like a fourth. They've traded. They've traded out of the first round before. I mean, go back mm-hmm. to the Brady Quinn draft, and and that was pick 100%. number twenty. That was pick number twenty two, and you secured an extra first round pick, right? I mean, they yeah, got traded back into the first, and but but to get Anthony Spencer, but yeah, absolutely. They, yeah. They, they they there is a precedent, although they seem to have gotten more conservative about trading since then. So I don't know. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, if we were to see it, it would be, it would be out of the ordinary because this yeah. team does feel confidently is even at 26 they feel confident in their ability to go and get a, a starting caliber player they did it last year at 24 mm-hmm. with, with tyler smith i mean they they like the way that the ball board has fallen with them and even when they drafted tyler smith they still had an, a, another i think they said they had three first round grades on the board still mm-hmm. and tyler smith was one of those so there's there's a possibility that they stay put at 26 it's if they get they, they get to that point and their 18 to 20 first round grades that they have aren't on the board. And maybe you can secure a fourth round pick or you can secure another third round pick from a team that wants to come up and let's say Hinton hookers available at 20. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
a team wants to come up and get that fifth year option on a player, they're going to be ready to do that by the, the, the way that they've kind of structured these 30 visits. Yeah. We talked about that on the pod last week that, that if they trade back, it's going to have to be because there's like the quarterback is still hanging around or something like that, because otherwise the talent's pretty evenly distributed. There's going to have to be something, something that's going to entice folks. to. But, move up. but we did like that idea. I remember. We liked that idea a lot. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see that. Um, but you know, like, like you said, they're, they, they, become a kind of stick and pick team. And I think they're also a team that says, you know what, this guy may be the 41st rated player on our board, but we love him. And yep. we're just going to take him at, tw- at 26 and the, the heck with everybody else, because we want the player and um, you know, we're not going to get, get too cute and, and lose out on the player. And we're not, and we're not going to like, you know, cross our fingers and hold our breath and, and hope he gets to 58. Let's just get the dude. And they, they yep. did that. You know, they've done that for years. They did it with Sam Williams last year. Yep. You know, you probably, they probably overdrafted him, but They love the players. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So listen, uh, as Danny suggested, the Cowboys draft behavior is in fact pretty predictable, as we've just been sort of suggesting. Um, not only do they draft from the 30 visit list, but they regularly tra- target like the strong and deep positions as a way to squeeze value from the draft. I think a great example of that is 2017 when we had a deep defensive mm-hmm. um, lineman draft and we had a deep defensive uh, 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 sort of defensive backfield, specifically cornerback draft. And lo and behold, they got Taco Charlton, wrong, wrong pick, right position. And they, and they end up getting corners in both the second and third rounds. Right. Yep. Um, so we've got several things as you were talking about, we, we're, we're like reading the tea leaves here. We're reading the breadcrumbs, right? So we got a 30 list. We've got the soft spots on the Cowboys roster and we've got the positions of strength in this and depth in this draft. What are given all that three or four positions you'd bet your firstborn, the Cowboys will draft later this month. Yeah. I mean, give me linebacker because I think the, the first, Interesting. Three, yeah, I think the first three or four linebacker rounds are, are solid. Uh, I think you would, I would, you talk about making a bet and I'm not a betting man, but like day two linebacker is that's a pretty solid bet. I think either second round or a third round pick is going to go that direction because you look at it right now, they brought back Leighton Vander Esch. Micah Parsons is, is a linebacker just by title alone. Uh, and then you've got a mix of guys that you've, you've tried to kind of mix into a starting rotation. They like Damone Clark. They're hoping a full off season with him. We'll, we'll have him see a step up. But Jabril Cox has battled some injuries. Uh, they, they spent a pick last year on Devin Harper. Uh, and they lost Luke Gifford, who, of course, was a special teams ace. So the 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 
thought process around linebacker, I think, is interesting because the the first two or three rounds, you have guys like Dorian Williams from Tulane. You have uh, Dayon Henley from Washington State. I think you could definitely see a linebacker there. The other one is is also intriguing. It's it's tight end. I think tight end is going to be a pick that that they make at some point. They really like Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State, a uh, national champion and somebody that uh, has been reported to be in on a 30 visit. But I, I really do like the the thought process of maybe even an early one of these tight ends. This tight end class is the best one that I've scouted to this point as a class. And I'm not as deep into, into the scouting uh, tenure as some of the other coworkers that I'm with, but I, I've seen good tight ends. And there's three of them right at the top with Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, Michael Mayer from from Notre Dame, not necessarily in that order. But those three guys are first-round caliber players. So if you if you see one of those guys fall to 58, it's going to be hard to pass them up. Uh, it's going to be hard to, to really kind of pass by. And then if I had to say one more, whoo, that's tough. I really, I think, I think at some point you're probably going to see a corner. Probably not day one, probably not day two, but I bet you at day three corner, they'll go hunting for traits. They'll go try and grab somebody that they really like at the cornerback spot to kind of pair up with uh, Deron Bland and, and Trayvon Diggs, hopefully, uh, because Trayvon's going into a, a contract year. Uh, you you have Stefan Gilmore, who, of course, is has only got – uh, one year on his deal specifically. So the cornerback position right now looks great. Like you look like you, you feel like uh, you're world beaters of that position at the moment, but very quickly that can turn. So I think there's a, there's a chance you could see a corner taken. Uh, so corner linebacker tight end. Those are kind of the three that I'm looking at to, to possibly be selected by the Cowboys, but kind of like what we talked about earlier, you could, you could say, they they've opened the door for any position. They could go draft anybody at some point. Let me ask you one quick thing before we move on to the next question. Um, given that the 30 visit list has so many first and second round, probably first and second round receiver types on it. You yet receiver was not on your list. Is there, is yeah. there some a reason for that? What do you think? No, you think? I, I just think it's, it's more likely that you you use that pick on on those positions specifically because I think the draft works out better for you there. Mm-hmm. Whereas receiver, the top three receivers, there's a good chance they're not on the board when you're there at 26. Quentin mm-hmm. Johnston, uh, Jordan Addison, and Jackson Smith and Jigbo. I think all three of those guys are probably gone by the time 26 comes around. Then you got to wait for the second tier of guys. Well, Jalen Hyatt and uh, Rasheed Rice and – some of these other receivers, Zay Flowers, like they they may not be there at 58. If you're trying to wait to 58, there's going to be a run on receivers in the middle to, to front half of the first round, right at the start of the second round, probably at the start of the third round. And with you hitting at the back end of your 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 round every time that you're actually picking, I just don't know if it's going to be the right situation to select a wide receiver. And if they do, I don't know if they do it until day three. So it's really interesting. I think they're doing their homework because I think there are some good receivers in this class. I bet you if if they were to make a pick on somebody, it would probably be a Quinton Johnston from TCU. They really do like what he could bring. But I think over the the course of the draft, it's going to be tough to see those guys actually line up to where their draft value lies. 
So you're saying you're not you're not saying that they don't want to draft Correct. a receiver. You're saying that you don't think the draft is going to break in a way where they where they find value at receiver. Yeah, I think that's the, the best way to put it. And also mm-hmm. not to mention they they feel like they've covered their base there, right? Yeah. I mean, you have Brandon Cooks, CD Lamb, yeah, Simi Fahoko's seeing a step up. Hopefully you get Jalen Tolbert to see a step up. And then you can maybe go and attack the the free agent market even then if you don't have a guy you like. Mm-hmm. I bet you they they they're gonna look hard into those wide receivers, but if they don't come out of the weekend with a wide receiver, I don't know if I'd be shocked. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it too. And and you know, I, like you said, the the Cooks move and even the, the Stephon Gilmore, you know, because they're they're anticipating. You know, we're not going to get one of the good ones, but you know what? There's a lot of guys that have the traits that we can get yeah. in later rounds, and so no, I mean it it, it matches. You know, it, so but now that you've identified some positions for us, we wanted to kind of hone in on those positions a bit. So Rabs and I, yep. we're gonna pick one of those positions, and we're gonna throw out a pair of players who. We believe are yep. comparable, and um, we want you to tell us which one of these players you prefer the Cowboys to draft and and why. So I'm going to start off. Love it. I'm going to start off with a couple of cornerbacks that, you know, I, I'm seeing them as potent. They're day two guys. Not sure exactly where they go, yep. but I think they're they're both uh, Cowboys visits. So I'm going to go with uh, Emmanuel Forbes and Tyreek Stevenson. Mm-hmm. So is there a guy of of, the, of those pair that you that you love? Um, you, you oh man i i think both of those guys are great players i and i have a second round grade on both those guys here's you talk about comparable on your board here's here's where i have them ranked right now you nailed it i have tyreek stevenson out of miami as the sixth corner on my board i have emmanuel forbes out of mississippi state as my seventh corner on my board mm-hmm. and i in, in on the overall scale i have stevenson at 36 and i have forbes at 40. Uh, I, the reason I have Stevenson just a, a tad bit above Forbes is just because he's filled out a little bit better. They both have length. They're both six foot. Uh, one, uh, Stevenson's 200 pounds or just underneath 200 pounds, whereas Forbes is is in the zero percentile of the NFL draft in terms of his weight, 166. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is this big around whenever you're, you're talking about uh, Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes is probably a better ball hawk, a better playmaker than Stevenson, but Steven is a better build and a better athlete, I think, for the most part. I mean, you talk about his coverage radius for Stevenson. Some of the times on his tape, and I watched him against North Carolina, which was not a great game for Stevenson. I, I watched it for Texas A&M, which was a little bit better, and I watched it against Duke, which was one of his better games of his year. I, I mean, he has a 39-inch vertical, and he has such a long wingspan it feels like he could catch any ball that's thrown in in the within 30 yards of him. I mean, he's he is a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal build. One thing with him is that he he takes time to get his his frame turned around. He's got some stiff hips, um, and a lot of times that's what guys look at at the at the. Hey, who doesn't? You know what I'm spot. saying? Yeah, honestly, I do too. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But I, I'm not trying to play corner in the NFL. That's the problem. Is I need this guy. To, to be fluid enough to cover a Devontae Smith. I need him to be fluid enough to cover an A.J. Brown. And these guys, I think, are both good enough to go in the second round, but they both have knocks to their game, and that's why I have Stevenson just a little bit above Forbes, but it's a close one. I like that. Uh, so I, uh, you mentioned earlier tight end, and you actually mentioned Tucker Kraft and said that the Cowboys like him. I'd yep. love for you to kind of opine on um, – our friend Tucker Kraft versus uh, someone who's who's 
interesting. Seems, seems to be a kind of divisive prospect in Sam Laporta. Okay. See, and that's the thing is I'm, I'm on the, the positive decisive side because okay, I, good. I, like, great, great, great. I like Sam Laporta a lot. I, I had a, a back half second round grade on the guy because I think he's, he's polished as a blocker. I think he's a, a strong bodied, strong hand blocker who, who was able to take on some of the better rushers in the, in the big 10 and have some success. And I don't think he's as far off as a receiver as some people think. Now, like you said, he's very decisive, but I have Laporta over Tucker Kraft at the moment. The one thing I do like about Kraft is that he has so much upside. Mm-hmm. He's a very he he's very talented with this raw athleticism. And he every every one of his knocks is very technical. It's very uh it's coachable. Let's say it that way. And I think the Cowboys have one of the best tight end coaches in the NFL. I think Linda Wells does a phenomenal job. And you could see it last year with the young prospects like a Jake Ferguson and a Peyton Hendershot. I think Kraft would fit well into that room. I think he would be somebody that would work hard on, enough to where you you he sharpens the 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 routes. He's able to to get his speed, uh his acceleration up to speed a little bit quicker and then continue to show why his natural athleticism is what's getting him drafted. I have Laporta as a as a more NFL ready prospect, but I think if you're talking about how about a higher ceiling, I think Kraft could probably be that too. Mm, interesting. So I'm going to go a little bit off script here because I I want to I want to get some information from you, Kyle. So I I I want us. To, so I have my my last position is going to not be anything you mentioned there, but I, I know a lot of fans are interested in this. So I, I want to talk yeah. about running back a little bit because. I think I feel like the Cowboys are likely to do this in, you know, in later rounds, maybe round three or four. So I have a couple mm-hmm. names I want to throw out at you, and you tell me what you think about these two. And one of them is um, Mississippi's Zach Evans, and the other right. is one of Rabs and my personal favorites, um, Auburn's Tank Bigsby. So can okay. you t- talk about those two? Which one would you prefer? I'd love to see where in a Cowboys uniform. Ooh, man, that that's a tough one. That, that really is, because I think, Tank, Tank Bigsby specifically is he? I mean, he looks like a running back, right? I mean, two hundred ten pounds. Uh, he he's got that that natural uh, ability to take on contact. He invites contact. He's not a home run threat, but he's somebody that I think you can you can rely on to carry the ball, to keep to to protect the football, and to pick up the short yardage where you need to. But also has a little bit of the big play ability sprinkled in there too. Uh, I mean, he was a three-year starter, a tailback for Auburn. I mean, he he was the guy for the Tigers the last three seasons, and he finished with with a hundred-yard games thirteen different times. Whereas on the other side, with with Zach Evans, he might be one of the more talented players in this draft class, but he's also one of the more loose cannons, I guess, if you really wanted to put it that way in terms of guys off the field. And and mm. I think Evans has done a good job of maturing. And I've heard a lot of really good things because he grew up in Texas high school football. He, he was part of the Galena Park North Shore championship teams back-to-back years. It's at the 6A level. He was on the field during that big Hail Mary that went viral when they beat Duncanville in the first matchup against the, a really good team. And I, I got to kind of know him and know uh, some, some of the coaches that were around him. And he, he, took some of those struggles and he took some of the, the, the mentality. And, and I don't think it's, it's anything bad. I think it's more so just an ego more than anything, 
but he took that to TCU and then he ultimately moved on to Mississippi. And when he was at Ole Miss, you could see the the bright, you could see the the ceiling that he has. I have Tank Bigsby as a, as a third round graded player. I think he's the better player of the two just because I think he's a safer pick. But if you really wanted to go for like a fourth round grade that has the, the potential of being a first round talent, it would probably be Zach Evans and somebody that I think you could grow into a professional role and maybe he would be better in a professional locker room where he has um, has the support system around him to be better. But I think that's somebody that uh, has the talent and has everything that it takes on the field to potentially be successful. I, I like Dan. I'm going to go off script now because um, you, 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 I have to say you flummoxed us by putting linebacker yeah. at the top of your list. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, now just to be, just to be, Safe here. I, I, they're not at the top of my list. If if I had to put a list together, it'd be interior offensive line. That would be the oh, number. Well, I, I'm I'm glad you, that you yeah. just provided me with a beautiful segue. Yeah. Uh, yep. Because I think there's a couple of ways that the Cowboys can go in terms of interior offensive line. They can obviously go the 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 route of a Steve Avila, who's a you know uh, you know has a thousand snaps at at, at interior offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, multiple positions, but like he's got a lot of experience inside. Or they sure. can do one of the things that they've done in the past, which I think they demonstrated they really like to do. And I think this is a sort of Will McClay special, which is to find a tackle who might um, have a good anchor and, and move him inside. So I want to actually mm-hmm. throw out a couple of tackles that I, th- that I think actually could be options at 26. They can move okay. inside that actually might be better fits at 26 than a guy like Steve Avila, who's probably, again, one of those guys who should go somewhere in the mid to late 30s. Yep. Right. Yep. So there's a couple of dudes. I think I think. You know, a lot of scouts say that these guys are these guys are obviously college tackles, but they they could move inside and they have the heft and the kind of anchor to play guard. And they're not they're not sort of like you know they're not the kind of guys who are long legged or or um, play high, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, a couple of dudes that, that I think could potentially be drafted at twenty six and move inside are Paris Johnson Jr. and Darnell Wright. Okay, what do you think about moving them inside and and then uh, tell me a little bit about those two guys? Um. I don't know if Paris Johnson Jr. is going to make it to you. Uh, that's that's the first one. I have him as a top ten player in the draft. Yeah. I really like Paris Johnson Jr. I mean he he could move inside. He's I mean he's got a a prototypical build I think for just a versatile offensive lineman. I think I would rather keep him outside, uh, but he he does have the versatility. But you mentioned Darnell Wright. That's an interesting one because I think one he will be there at twenty six. And I don't think he's too rich for the pick either. I think he's somebody that you can move inside. And, and I mean, he, his frame is, is pretty close to that. Six foot five, even 333, right? I mean, it, it, they've had they've had guys at 325, 330 before at the tackle spot, but they've also had 325 and 330 at the guard spot as well because they do like the bigger anchor on the inside. I think if you're going to tell me, First round graded guy, that's a tackle that's going to move inside to guard. I think Wright would be that. That would that be the one I would circle, because it, with with Osiris Torrance out of Florida, with Steve Avila from TCU, both of those guys are probably too too far back on the, on the board for twenty six to really be a lock. Now, could you take both of those guys at twenty six and ride? Yeah, absolutely. I think they both be good players in your offense. But could you really develop a Darnell Wright, kind of like what you did with Tyler Smith last year, mm-hmm. by putting him at tackle, 
uh, in college and then moving him inside at the first part of his, his career before moving him back outside to tackle. Yes, I think you could do that with a Darnell, right? And I think he's good enough to do so even in, in year one or year two in the league. Yeah, full disclosure, that was actually a Darnell Wright question. So thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, thank you for the, for all that. For our final question, we're going to play a wee game of Mock the Mocks. Ooh, and we're going to okay. ask you, my friend, to serve as judge. So based on everything you've said, each of us is going to present you with a three-round mock, and we'd like you to determine who is a candidate for NFL Executive of the Year and who will be <laughs> looking for work as an area scout in 2024. <laughs> All right, so I'll go ahead and go first. That's a, that's a huge difference. I mean, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, well, there's no middle ground I mean, here. And so just, just so you know, as soon as as soon as this is done and you, we say farewell to you, there's going to be a, a period that we've got we've built into the show script where we're going to mock whoever whoever's the loser here. So um, <laughs> this, is, this is for bragging rights. Um, I, I will say that I... Uh, all of my mocks, and I'm going to go first, all of my mocks include a wide receiver because I feel like they clearly want to add a receiver and they clearly want to add a dynamic player and they want to add speed and, and ability to separate to this team. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna throw out this one mock and it's going to be with the dude that we just talked about. So um, I think one of, the other, one of the other things that has to be considered here is, is this, rock, is this mock realistic in terms of- I was about to say, because are, are you going to draft you're going to draft Jackson Smith and Jigba and then. Yeah, no, no, no. Dan might, in which case you should ridicule him roundly, but I will not. Yeah. You get Skaronsky and then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So here's, here's my three round mock. Uh, We're going to start off at 26 uh, and and draft Darnell Wright in, uh, in in the second round, because the receivers have all just gone off the board as you predicted. Uh, we're going to turn our turn our attention elsewhere and go ahead and get a defensive tackle in Keanu Benton. And then we're going to circle yeah. back around wide receiver in round three and get Rasheed Rice. Dan, what do you got? So, first off, I'm already embarrassed that you're mocking me for it, but before I even do it, because I am going to do it. I'm, 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 I'll tell you what, I'm, gonna, I'm of the belief that the Cowboys, they just always have something fall in their lap. And it's not going to mm-hmm. be... It's oh, it, no, it's not no, going to be no, Jack. It's not going to be Jackson. I'm not going to be ridiculous, but I am going to say I am going to take my first round pick, and I'm going to say it's going to be Quentin Johnson. I just feel like I could I could see wow. something like that happen, and I, and it might not be their plan to do that because you know, like you said, they've made contingency plans to to kind of shore that up. But I feel he yeah. in an almost in a CD Lamb sort of way, he kind of falls there, and it's like this is well, this is what we're going to do now. So he's going to be mm-hmm. my. My first pick and my second round pick, I'm actually going to go with uh, um, Tyreek Stevenson. I'm, I think they're going to go go corner. I think uh, similar to okay. 2020 when they had Lambfall, here comes, you know, the deep corner class that they can uh, capitalize on. And they, I bet you there's going to be a guy that falls right in that group, like, you know, Kyle Sand, guys that are real close. Um, mm-hmm. and so I'm going with him there. And I, and I am going to just, I'm going to take my running back in the third round. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Tank. Because I feel like the Cowboys, they're going to need to get a running back, you know, in the in the later rounds. And so I think, you know, I'm trying to cover some some spots that are going to be uh, helping them past 2023. So those are the three players that I'm picking. No, that's smart. And it's interesting because one draft is very needs related. The, the, the first draft is let's go get uh, an offensive lineman that could do a little bit of everything. And we can kind of build up front, which I, I always like taking offensive lineman the second draft is very much so 
it, it, it reminds me of the 2020 draft where you go and get a wide receiver that's a first round grade and he slips a little bit and you, you get him and you pick him up and you say, let's, let's build around this guy. And then you pick a corner that's probably an early second round grade, but he slips it, like you did with CD lamb and Trayvon Diggs. You do it here with Quinton Johnston and Tyreek Stevenson. The, the one thing is, is then it's Bigsby. And I think if you don't go with an offensive lineman in the first three rounds, I I might, man, I, I just, I don't know how intrigued I am with it because I think offensive line is such a big need. And I also don't think there's a lot on the open market that you could go and fill the holes that you have up there right now. And if you keep kicking the can down the road, it's only going to get much worse from an offensive line standpoint, because right now you're trying to, I mean, with lack of a better term, you're trying to to work past Tyron Smith and just how long he's got left back in the league. When, when does that conversation start for Zach Martin? When do you start having that yeah. same kind of conversation about him? Tyler Biotish is going to be a free agent next year. So there's, there's these conversations up front. I want offensive line at some point. So remind me real quickly, what was, what were the first three names? It was Darnell Wright. Yeah, he's already forgotten them, Rabs. <laughs> yeah, Benson. Well, the offensive line was really what sold me. That was the that's the problem. Man, I really. Oh no, like no, Kyle, it's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't Go know. Go ahead man. and buy what you what this sold to you, my friend. No, it's tough because it's two different mentalities. It's two different philosophies because one is needs based and one is a hell of a lot more fun. I'll tell you right now, Dan's is a lot of fun because you get two really good players. And then you go and grab another skills guy that could be a, a phenomenal player too. Oh man, I'm I feel like David Hellman here. I'm gonna take Dan's. I really am. I, even without the, I can't believe I'm gonna start sending out my resume. Yeah, I like I. That's tough though, because I I do like the offensive line. The one thing I don't like about the offensive line pick, and this is ultimately what made me switch, was. It's the second straight year you're taking a guy out of position. Mm-hmm. You did it with Tyler Smith last year, who's a tackle, who's expected to be a tackle, and you put him at guard, which is fine for a year or two. But then at some point you're going to hinder his growth as a as an NFL prospect. You're going to end up pigeonholing him into a versatile box that you don't necessarily need him to be in. Darnell Wright, if you do the same exact thing – he may never come out of that. He may just be a guard in the future, which might work out. It might not. But I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go with with Dan because I like Quentin Johnston. I think at that point you just let it ride. Let's go score some points. Hey, you know, I the one thing we all appreciate the most about about Hellman is he's like, this is a lot of fun. So let's make sure we keep make it, <laughs> we keep it to fun, right? And I was always the voice of reason on that show for for a couple of years. Because Hellman, all he wants to do is draft running backs and wide receivers, <laughs> and then I, I, I finally came along and was like, "What about what about the trenches? Let's go draft Tyler Lindebaum. Let's go draft Rashawn Slater." Which, to my credit, I've been right on both of those guys. Mm-hmm. But I mean, either one of those guys guys would be great in this offense. But yeah, you got Micah Parsons, you got Tyler Smith, you're fine. But the yeah, I mean, going and getting a wide receiver there would be a whole lot of fun, especially if it is Johnston. And I think he would fit in well with this Cowboys team. Absolutely. All right. All right. So I'm I I am properly humiliated, Dan. <laughs> I enjoy wearing your crown. Oh, I will. You are uh, soon to be the NFL Executive of the Year, Kyle. 
great having you on. You are, of course, always the guest of the year. That was awesome. Before you go, please do me a favor. Tell the people where they can find your fine, fine work. Yeah, DallasCowboys.com. I mean, we just put out our draft guide, our Star Magazine draft guide. Uh, you can get that online at, at DallasCowboys.com as well. And then everything else, you can find it uh, on Twitter at Kyle underscore Yeomans, Y-O-U-M-A-N-S. And, uh, yeah, have a lot of fun uh, hopping on with you guys. Appreciate you having me as always and chopping it up about the draft. It's an exciting time of year for sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks so much, dude. Thanks, guys. Well, I mean, that was fantastic. I, I, I tell you what, I, I love having Kyle on. He's a great guest. And, um, you know, I just I think you would help clarify a lot of things. Yeah, no, that was good insight for sure. And, you know, especially, you know, you got to respect his judgment on the, the, the mock draft. I mean, you can't argue with that for sure. But I, well, no, I think I think actually that one could make a really strong argument against that. I, I felt like I felt like something happened. Like I felt like he was really focused during the first questions and the last question. I felt like he was distracted and wasn't really paying attention. So we might actually need to have him back on to, to do a second judgment. I, I just feel like. You know how sometimes people like they have like low blood sugar and they yeah, make bad decisions. No, I feel like that's something I, that might have I happened. happen to know for a fact that he 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 uh, carbo loaded before coming on the show. So uh, I think his blood sugar was fine. And uh, but I'll tell you what, maybe maybe it's too maybe it's too high. Maybe it's too high. I'll tell you what, if when he does come back, you're gonna have to really uh, one up your intro because uh, you know definitely uh, he's he's liking that. So. Uh, but that is all we have for today, Rabs. It was a great show, a great guest. Um, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review, or get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys draft prospects, which mock you liked better, you know, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Danny Phantom 24 and Rabs is at Rebel Rouser, spelled R-E-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. It's almost NFL Christmas, y'all. 